Welcome to the Reclaim Your Rise podcast. My name is Lauren Bongiorno, nationally board certified health coach and founder and CEO of Risely Health, where we help people and families impacted by type 1 diabetes take ownership over their lives so that they can transform with more freedom and confidence. Everyone has a different reason to be here. You might be seeking knowledge, support, or community, but at your core, I know that you long for something deeper. You're here for transformation. And that's what the Reclaim Your Rise podcast is all about. It allows people with diabetes to talk about the elephant in the room, which is like the emotional and mental burden that we all carry. And we hide a lot of the time. So that is like the biggest thing. A quick reminder before we start the show that nothing you hear on the Reclaim Your Rise podcast should be a substitute for personalized professional medical advice. Please always consult your physician or other medical professional before making any changes to your diet, insulin dosages, or healthcare plan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, whenever you are listening. Welcome back to another episode of Reclaim Your Rise. This is your host, Lauren Bongiorno, and I first want to thank everyone who has taken time out of their day to rate the podcast on Apple, review it. It means the world to me and really helps me know that you're enjoying the type of episodes we're putting out. So if you are feeling called to go ahead and rate and review, I'd be so appreciative of that. But today's episode clearly caught your attention and my guest Jihan is someone that I cannot wait for you to get to know. Background on Jihan, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 10 years old and is now a coach on the Risley team. Her passions include supporting people with diverse backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses, helping fellow moms prioritize their care, and supporting T1Ds to become open and vulnerable with the challenges they are facing. But before she was a coach, she had struggles of her own. For many years, she hid the mental load of diabetes and put on a happy face for family and friends when inside she was really suffering. And in this episode, she actually shares a story of a secret that she's held onto for 23 years and only recently, literally last night, told her husband, about it and now she's telling it to us today Uh, other takeaways that you're going to hear in the episode first how common frustrations we hear from clients aren't the actual underlying issues they're dealing with and that they need to address to move forward in order to get to where they want to be second how diabetes coaching actually works and helps you get to the root of those issues and move past them and third easy and simple tips that you could implement into your day into your week right now to get some low-hanging fruit wins and do it totally for free nothing else just listening to this podcast and then going to implement so without further ado please help me welcome my guest Jihan and let's rise Welcome to the show, Jihan. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Hi, I'm so excited. Yay, we were talking a little bit offline this morning about this and Jihan, actually, you were like, I want to tell this story, but I don't know and I'm feeling called to share it. So I'm really excited for you to share it and how pumped you are about, you know, being on this, being on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's a Jihan Taffy exclusive. So <laughs> you guys are it's a big reveal today. So yeah, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to share and hopefully, you know, like Lauren said, like you said, I'm inspired to I don't know why I had this calling like yesterday. Like I feel like this is something I can share and this is a good time to. So yeah, I'm really excited and thank you for having me and 
and letting me share kind of my story and my experiences. Of course. So, I mean, I think a lot of people see the coaches on the Risely team as inspiring and confident and happy. And well, first of all, it's not 100% of the time like that, right? Like, <laughs> just before I was like, my blood sugar is sitting at like 215 right now, like not feeling like my most energetic self, but like we're going to go with it. Um, but also, I think that we've overcome a lot of struggles of our own and it's what brought us here today. And what has allowed us to relate to the community so much, right? We're not doctors saying, hey, like this is an experience you're having and this is my perspective of it. It's like, no, like we've felt much of the things that a lot of people come to us um, for. So I would love if you can share a little bit about you and also the biggest struggle that you've had to overcome around your T1D journey. Yeah, so um, a little bit about me first. So I have had type one for 25 years. I was diagnosed when I was 10. Um, I've been through, like through everything in terms of tech, right? I did injections. I've done the mini med, T-Slim. Now I'm on the Omnipod. Um, I've also gone through like all of the experiences and feelings that you have with someone with type one, kind of like the stages of grief, right? Like I've gone through the bargaining and the anger and the acceptance and all of that. Um, and yeah, here I am 25 years later and I've had, it's been a couple years of like transformation work that I've been putting into myself to get to where I am now. Um, I am married to my wonderful husband, Zach, of 11 years, and we have two beautiful girls. They're six and four, and um, lots of great family support, lots of great friend support through my journey over the 25 years. But I think one of the biggest struggles that I had was pretending that everything was fine when it wasn't, and wanting to like put up the front that like, I got this totally fine, guys, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, let's go do like a walk to cure diabetes walk together. And like, I got it together. Where like, no one knew the mental struggle that I was having behind the scenes. And I mean, there's so much that rolls into like what those mental struggles were. But I feel like the hardest thing was pretending that it was fine and like hiding all of that. So one of those mental struggles that I had was a terrible relationship with food. So I'll share the story <laughs> that I had been mulling over and feeling called to share. Um, so I've always had uh, a tough relationship with food. And like I said, I've been working on it for like the past two years of really trying to have a, be in a better place. And I know a lot of us with type one have a weird relationship with food that we work really hard on. So I realized as I'm tr trying to do this like inner work on myself that I think a big part of it came from this story that I literally kept inside for 23 years, um, and I'll try and just get too emotional, but it was literally like a secret that I kept for myself and made everything so much worse. Um, I share everything with Zach. Like, we usually give each other Christmas gifts early because we can't keep secrets, and this was something that, that like, I literally didn't tell him until last night because I knew he had to know before I shared it on the podcast. Um, so... I had a really uh, formative experience for worse, like the year after I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed at age 10. I saw an endocrinologist in the hospital who ended up being my endocrinologist, like, you know, moving forward. And um, she always kind of intimidated me a little bit, scared me. You know, I'm like 10, 11 years old, and she's a doctor, and she was serious and I'm going through this scary thing and always was just a little intimidated by her in the whole process. So one day I was at lunch in the cafeteria with my friends and sharing 
food with each other. You know, you make swaps and stuff when you're little. And someone said, hey, do you want this Oreo? I'm like, mm, I, I know my mom didn't pack this on my lunch, but like, yeah, I'll have the Oreo today. And then that afternoon, I went up to like, I don't know, 250 or something. So fast forward to my next endocrinologist appointment, and I'm here with this doctor who already intimidates me. And she's looking at my chart and she's saying, what happened on this day? I was like, I don't know, knowing what happened. <laughs> and she said, you must have had something you weren't supposed to have. You cheated, didn't you? What did you have? You cheated on this day, didn't you? And I was terrified to admit it in that moment, terrified because she was yelling at me, didn't want to disappoint my mom who had been working so hard on my care and didn't want to upset her. And I was saying, no, like, no, I didn't cheat. I didn't cheat on that. I didn't cheat. And I remember after the appointment, standing in the hall with my mom in the hospital. And she said, my mother is so amazing and wonderful. And she said, Jan, you can tell me the truth. Like, did you, did you have the cookie? Did you have something? And I said, no, I didn't. And we like stood in the hall and cried and hugged. And I carried that shame and that guilt for 23 years from that little moment and that little cookie and that little endocrinologist yelling at me. And it created this just like spiral of like, I would hide my eating and I would bolus for it as I got older, right? When I was on a pump, but like, I'd be in the kitchen, like eating Oreos or having a granola bar and like not wanting anyone to see what I was doing. And it just, you can imagine the relationship with food that I got from there. And as I was going through this transformation of telling, of, of like healing myself, I finally told my mom the truth like a year ago. And um, she had no idea how hard it was and that I was carrying it. And it allowed me to like, it was like one of the final pieces of my food transformation that allowed me to kind of like let go of all of that weight and that shame and that guilt. And that was just like such a big piece. Like I said, my biggest struggle was pretending that I was fine in front of other people. And that's like a big part of it. Like, no, I'm fine. I didn't cheat. Like, no, I'm cool. No, I'm good. And like underneath, I was a disaster. <laughs> so yeah, there, I said it. It's out. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. That must feel like a weight lifted yeah. off your shoulders. Yeah. And it's just crazy how one small, tiny instance like that shaped the trajectory of so much of your relationship with diabetes and food and that it felt so scary for you to admit that. And I think that there are so many people listening who can relate to that, right? Like it, that food example you gave is like one one example, but that story is something that a lot of us feel, right? That we, the feeling of doing something wrong or making a decision that on paper doesn't look like the right one and then having a comment from an endocrinologist or a parent or a friend or anything, it doesn't necessarily have to be this big traumatic thing that shapes you know, the rest of your life with diabetes, especially if you're diagnosed as a kid. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about how that impacted you later on in life but when did you realize that was a challenge and part of your process of healing is like admitting that you're not perfect and you and you couldn't hold this version of yourself to everybody else and be like I'm okay and diabetes is great and my A1C looks good so nothing's wrong with my mental health yeah so um I would say like a little over two years ago I had started feeling like I had a really big period of burnout with my diabetes, like wanted to throw my pump against the wall, 
I'd been on tube pump for 18 years without a break. I didn't even know I could take a break. It was nothing anyone ever talked to me, but because I acted like everything was fine, no one knew that I was burned out. So um, at that time when I like went back on MDIs for a couple months, I was like, this, like something needs to change. The way I'm living, is, this isn't sustainable. And I knew part of that was food. So I started exploring like my relationship with food and like sugar addiction. And like so much of that sugar addiction, I think came from like hiding and sneaking and snacking all the time. Right. Like, so that's like what got me like mentally started. And then whenever I came across your Instagram and like started seeing like, Oh, there's something else. There's a different way to live with type one. Like, although people forever would say like, Oh, Jehan, you're such an inspiration. Like, they didn't know that I felt like I wasn't um, and seeing like, oh, there's like a different way to live this, to, to live with type one, like to like really be happy and like not just pretend. Um, that's what like kind of opened my eyes to it. So like it was like this being really burnt out, like hitting my like rock bottom um, and then like just really thinking about there, there's, there's got to be a different way. I mean, and luckily, thank God. I mean, it was God brought me to you, Lauren, and like showed me like, hey, there's a different way that you can do this. And like, it won't hold you back forever. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that I was, you know, there to inspire you and show you a different way of living. And it's almost like a ripple effect, right? Because that's what I went through in my college years. I relate to so much of what you're saying because it was this, this, like perception or this like person I thought I had to be for everybody else. And I think it comes from, you know, if we go deep into childhood, it's like being celebrated for, you know, doing the good things or being the achiever and having good A1Cs and all of that. And what I thought in my head was like, all right, I can just have this secret relationship with food that isn't great, but like that's something that's like mine to like deal with. That's not everybody else's and people are going to judge me or they'll think less of me. And these are stories that we just create in our heads, right? But look at you now and look at me now, right? There's, it starts with that like breaking down the wall and first saying like, it's okay to not be perfect and it's also okay to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't overnight for me. Like, I, and I think I always thought like, oh, it was going to be like an overnight change. But tomorrow I'm going to stop eating chocolate like right that's not sustainable and that doesn't work <laughs> and so it literally has been like over two years of like slowly like making better habits like working on my self-love and self-care and like changing that voice in my head to like get to where I am yeah and it because it took 23 years to build me up to that it's not gonna be an overnight change yeah and anything that kind of sells an overnight change is also something to be wary of too like i bet you did too but like i fell into all the traps the cleanses the diets oh, yeah. the this the that and it's like yep they work for a week it works for two weeks like cutting out sugar but then like you're back where you started and sometimes even worse because then you're in this like even more formed cycle and pattern that you're reaffirming to your body like yep this is what we do we restrict then we go off again and we do this and we do that mm -hmm. so um we first met and and i can't believe it's been has it been two years already I, two 
Oh, well, like or a year and a half. Or a maybe? year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. 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 A year and a half. Yeah. So we first met when you were a client in our signature Decide and Conquer group coaching boot camp. And it's amazing to see where you are now as a coach on the Risley team. Yay. But I want to hear more about, you know, how how you chose that decision for yourself. I think that's really important because now you're giving more context to what your background was than finding me on Instagram. But what was the thing that took you from, I'm just going to watch all of Lauren content and try to implement this on my own to I'm going to take this next step and I'm going to make the decision to go into this this program. Yeah, um, I think part of it, a big part of it was I knew that none of those overnight things were going to work, right? Like just doing like a sugar detox wasn't going to work to like fix my relationship with food and all that other stuff. And I had really been trying to figure out how do I like fix my mindset and fix my brain to like help me do the things I know I need to do with diabetes, right? Like, oh, I know I should pre-bolus. I know I should be not snacking before bed at night if I don't want my, if I want to be more confident in my blood sugars. Like whatever, whatever those things that I thought I, I should be doing, I felt like I didn't have the mindset to execute them. So I wanted to have support to make those mindset shifts. And not just, I mean, the support of the coaches was amazing. And you guys gave us a lot of education and support and love, but being able to also go through the program with, you know, I think there were like almost 40 women in my cohort for the DCB of other people who wanted to make the change too, and were living those same exact struggles that I was. That was invaluable because I think I told you this before, like I have met so many wonderful T1Ds over the years and who, who are great, but like, some of them don't want like to have a transformation right now. <laughs> so like you can't have these like heart to hearts about them, about things like this. So being able to be with other women who are like, yes, I'm all in, like, let's figure out how to break down these walls. I'll help you break down yours. You can help me break down mine. And like, we're doing it together. That's what I needed to like, I, I wanted that community to help me as I was like on this, this journey, because I knew I needed some like accountability. I wanted some support. I needed some cheerleaders, wanted the education, like all of it to help me like take the next step yeah and the community piece is such a big part of it would you say that was your biggest takeaway or what, what was your, or I shouldn't put words in your mouth what was your biggest takeaway and do you feel like the goals that you came into the program with you were able to achieve by the end yes the yes definitely felt like my goals were achieved at the end and I think a huge thing that I've learned from working with Risley not just in my diabetes, but like in other parts of my life is to being kind, is being kinder to myself. And that was a huge takeaway from the community because it was, if someone's going through a struggle, you're going to treat them with love and kindness and support and be their cheerleader. So why aren't we talking to ourselves in that way? Right. Um, so if I have a 250, I, if you, if you tell me, Lauren, like, oh, my blood sugar is 250 right now, I'm not going to say, what did you do wrong? Like, what? why is it that way? And like, you're terrible. I'm not going to say that to you. I'm going to say like, Oh, what happened? Like, how are you feeling? Like, what are you going to do differently next time? So I should be telling myself the same thing too. So having that community to say those things to me helped train my mind. Like, Hey, I should be talking to myself this way too. So that was huge. And just really like taking the pause, taking the time to like slow down. Um, yeah. Having, having all those other cheerleaders just helping like change that inner voice that you have like into a beautiful, loving, kind one is, Amazing. 
Okay, quick commercial break for a story time. Last month, I was invited to a dinner in Connecticut with the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation, and I had no idea how emotional the night was going to be. I don't know about you, but I'm not a super detail-oriented person in some ways, so I kind of just showed up without asking who was going to be there. And sure enough, I walk into the room, and my childhood hero was literally standing there right in front of me. It was like a starstruck moment. But let's back up first so I can give some context. When I was diagnosed, with diabetes at seven years old, my parents, like many families, looked into diabetes organizations and found that DRI was 100% focused on research for finding a cure. They took me and my sister down to Miami one weekend. We visited the labs. I got scrubs, a gown, and gloves, which, by the way, P.S., I kept in a baggie with pictures from that weekend at the labs, like even holding mice that they were doing research on until literally like college when I was cleaning out my closet and was like, whoa, like I can't believe I still have this. But that was where I met Dr. Norma Kenyon and Dr. Ricordi, two of the leading researchers. And I always have this one distinct memory of Dr. Kenyon that will stay with me forever. And it was her bending down and telling me that her life mission was to find a cure for the condition that I had. And Dr. Kenyon became a household name from that point on, and she would even come to New York for fundraisers my family would hold each year. And as a little girl was just like an idol and somebody I looked up to so much. So fast forward 15 plus years and I walk into this dinner and who is standing there but Dr. Kenyon, still there, still working on a cure for little Lauren and for us and for this entire community. So to bring this full circle, DRI is now a sponsor of the Reclaim Your Rise podcast, which is crazy, and they are truly an organization to get behind as they are the largest multidisciplinary research center, and they have seen groundbreaking advances over the years in diabetes research. So definitely visit diabetesresearch.org to learn more about their impact and how you can support. Well, it's so interesting you say that too, that mindset was your biggest takeaway because Nobody ever really has their main goal be mindset, especially in the DCV, but it's the number one thing that people take away from it. And it's because mindset isn't something that's like so tangible, like an A1C lowering or a time and range increasing, but it is the thing that affects the the tangible outcomes, right? And I think I'll even argue that the when you're hard on yourself and you don't have that mindset of the forgiveness and the compassion and the ability to choose curiosity over judgment like you're kind of describing like that to me feels worse in my body than sometimes a a blood sugar of you know 215 does or like i'm sitting there right now so that's why i use that as an example but i was like that in the past too it was just beating myself up and oh my gosh and thinking about complications and all of this and we want to be mindful and 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 work on our blood sugars yes but the mindset piece for sustainably like living a healthy and happy life is so important because we're never going to have 100 percent time and range right like it's just impossible if you're living your life so um what's interesting is you know i was looking back at your your intake form for when you applied to the dcb when i was preparing <laughs> for this uh, podcast episode <laughs> yeah and i pulled out some things that you know kind of speak to this which is you know you had a 6.4 a1c and i had asked or the intake form asked, what 
it, what are you struggling right now? And like, why are you applying to the program? And you had said, I have a 6.4 A1C, but I'm struggling with overnight highs, scared of lows or binging during the day. I feel like I've tried everything to get out of a funk, a funk and nothing sticks. I do well for a few weeks and fall right back to where I started. I'm hoping a coach can help me stay committed longer. So now being on the other side of Risley as a coach on the team, what are the most common frustrations you hear from clients versus the actual underlying issues they're dealing with? So in that example I gave for you, it's like you were coming in saying like overnight highs are the issue or I can't stick to my diet and I'm binging during the day. Like that's what's presenting. But usually there's like this underlying issue for you. It was mindset and relationship to food that was the thing that needed to be worked on and also community and releasing the shame and all of those pieces. So in this past DCB, what have you seen that is like common frustrations clients have versus that actual underlying issue? I think it's something that I also dealt with too. It's um, feeling like there are so many factors with type one. How, how am I going to get them all? How do I actually like tackle all of them, right? So it could be like, well, um, for me, being afraid of lows at night, I had a traumatic experience when I was like a year after I was diagnosed, I had a seizure in the middle of the night and all that, all that excitement. And so that shaped me forever. And I, well, not anymore. Um, And I was (laughs) afraid of going low at night. And one thing I would tell myself is like, well, your blood sugars are different every night. Like you worked out today or you didn't work out today or you had this for dinner tonight and you didn't have it for last night. So like, really, there's so much unpredictability. You have no idea what's going to happen tonight. So just run high. So like the unpredictability, I think, for a lot of people shows up like, well, how do I know that it's this or how do I know that it's that? And being able to like do the mindset work to say, like, let's talk about it. <laughs> like, why are you feeling that way? And then the education of breaking it down is huge too. Well, like, let's do it one piece at a time. Let's talk about like, have you done basal testing? Great. Your basal tests are great. Then let's talk about this and let's talk about this and like building those pieces. So there is more predictability. Um, so you're not as reactive to your numbers. Like if you're feeling out of control because you feel like things are unpredictable. You feel like I've tried a million things and nothing sticks. Why am I even going to put time into this? Because it's going to be different every day. Like all of those like negative emotions around it, I feel like are, I've seen that and then just breaking them down. Like, let's talk about the basics first. Let's go back to the basics. And like, let's go back to your mindset. Like, why are you feeling this way? And like, how could, what, what will success look like for you? And the emotional side too, I, I wanted to share, um, when I went through the DCB, something huge for me, you, I think we did it on our first call, Lauren, you did a little time in, we did some breathing and you had um, said like, picture diabetes in your mind and then take it out of your mind. And what does it look like? And I so vividly remember, I said, mine looks like this black cloud with all of this negative stuff in it. And like the shame, the guilt, the like, all of that. And you said, Okay, look at it. Now let it go. It was like, oh, these emotions, like taking the emotions out of it too. Like that's what I see with so many people going through the DCB. It's like the negativity and the emotions, like in every number or every decision, like taking that out makes the decisions easier um, and like will help you get down to the root of that stuff and find the predictability in it. 
Yeah. No, I love that you brought that up. I forgot we did that visualization exercise and it was so powerful for a lot of people. And for anybody listening, you can do that right after this episode, right? Visualize exactly your diabetes outside your body and and see what comes up for you and, and what that looks like. Um, but, you know, I think that is, you hit the nail on the head, which is when you are stuck with a problem with diabetes, whether it's certain times of day that you're consistently going high or low or a pattern around traveling and how your blood sugars respond or exercise and how your blood sugar responds. Oftentimes we're just getting overwhelmed because we feel like we can't solve it or it's consistently happening or it's happened so many times so you doubt your ability to change that outcome where actually when you're stopping to slow down and get to the underlying issues it's almost like an iceberg right like Mm -hmm. the issues i just listed are kind of what you can see above the water but when you kind of dig deeper and say well what's keeping you from changing this outcome well is it a lack of education is it a lack of belief in yourself is it a a lack of slowing down and creating space to prioritize yourself like when we get to the root that's when we're able to start removing those blocks and moving forward and that's what the essence of coaching is right so what do you think is the thing about health coaching and the decide and conquer boot camp let's say in you know in specifically that is so transformational for women with type 1 diabetes or people in general with diabetes. Yeah, I think I think for people with diabetes, health coaching is so special because it bridges the gap between like the endocrinologist, right? And whatever your goals are and where you want to be. And it really addresses the emotional side of it that we don't get to talk to a lot of people about or don't talk to your endocrinologist about. Um, and that is so key. Being able to talk about the emotions. I may have shared this with you before, but like when I had my fear of lows overnight. I was consistently just running high and month after month after month, my endocrinologist would say, or visit after visit would say like, we need to tweak your basal race at night. And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) no, we don't. Um, That's not the problem. (laughs) And uh, so like, she never talked to me about the emotional piece of it. She never talked to me about it. And I said, finally, it was like after, I don't know, like a year or two, I don't know how many years I finally said like, (laughs) letting it out like it's not my basal race like i am afraid of going low at night so i will snack i won't bolus for my carbs or i'll put a 10 basal on it's not my basal race and she just said okay all right i understand um and then she asked like do i want an anxiety medication i was like that's a band-aid can we talk about the problem So like what health coaching does, it allows you to talk to someone about the problem. Like, why are you afraid? What are little steps you can do to feel more confident and comfortable? Like, I know that's just about lows overnight, but like it allows people with diabetes to talk about the elephant in the room, which is like the emotional and mental burden that we all carry and we hide a lot of the time. So that's, that is like the biggest thing. Okay, wow. Like, I think we might have to take that to be the sound clip of the episode because (laughs) that's it right there, right? Like, you go to the endocrinologist, the endocrinologist only sees what's on the surface. They look at your Dexcom Clarity if you're on, let's say, you know, a CGM um, or Libre reports and they say like, oh, you're going high overnight. Let's fix it with increased basils or you're having lows over here. Like, what's 
you're like let's address it with basal fixes or insulin carb ratio fix it. And it's just the surface level. It's like problem solving instead of giving space to put you in the driver's seat and like elevate you and be like, you know your body, what's going on here? Yeah. And it's because the healthcare system doesn't have the time yeah. to be able to spend with you nurturing that relationship and helping you move forward, right? Yeah. Health coaching is about forward movement and in the Decide and Conquer Bootcamp, you're having the space to talk about, like you said, the elephant in the room with everybody else in the program, and then having that combined with the coach, which is, okay, you have identified the issue. Now, what are the possible solutions to moving past this, right? Like, let's let's move forward. Let's acknowledge the challenge, but what haven't you tried yet? What's working? What are your patterns? Like, that's what's so special about it and so transformational, right? It's that embodiment, the integration, the accountability, the relationship component. So... I'm so glad that we we touched on that. But what do you think are for people listening who are like, yes, like they're, you know, shouting like, yes, 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 yeah. all of this is me. I feel like I am having these challenges and I haven't opened up about them, or I feel like I'm having you know, challenges with um running high overnight because I'm afraid of lows or whatever it may be. What are some simple wins, tips, tricks that mm-hmm. people can make in their life right now, today, like for free, like just go off and do them that you think will give them the biggest long-term ROI? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing that I started with that made a huge impact and I still use now is um, being kinder to myself and my numbers and like the decisions that come up. So you and Risley have taught us about picking up our magnifying glass instead of our hammer, right? And looking at things with more curiosity instead of judgment. So if my blood sugar is, you know, 300 one night, instead of yelling at myself and saying like, you're terrible, you're never going to figure this out. You should know better by now. How did you have that pizza and let this happen? Instead, I take a pause, maybe a deep breath. And I say, all right, I'm 300. I'm, did I not get myself enough insulin? Did I pre-bolus? What happened? I'm like, I'll problem solve and like try to figure it out for next time to make it better. That was huge for me, like having that curiosity and taking action instead of the negative self-talk over like every out of range number that I had. Um, so that I would say like biggest impact, bang for your buck, go do that. Next time you like have a number that's out of range or you eat way too many cookies, you know, than you planned, take a pause and ask, why did I just have six Oreos when I like wasn't even planning on having any? Let me, let me think about this for mm. a second instead of like making myself feel worse and then having more or whatever. That would be my number one tip. Another one would be, I have changed my thoughts around exercise because for me, exercise was something else that also came with like a lot of guilt. If I didn't work out, if I like took two weeks off or like I would feel bad, oh, you can't stick to a workout routine. You can't do anything. You can't do anything right. You're like always messing up. Like why even try starting something new? So instead, um, instead of thinking about exercises, like, okay, a scheduled thing that like, oh, I have to go have the right workout clothes on and I need to schedule it and I have to do this program and it has to be so many days a week. Instead, I now say I'm adding more movement into my life and movement is a lot more open in its definition. So for me, it could be literally dancing in the kitchen while I'm washing the dishes. It could be while I'm on, a, on hold at the doctor's office doing a couple squats and it's just released a lot of that pressure that I put on myself around movement and like the guilt about like not working out because I'm getting movement in in different ways. It doesn't have to be like a 30 minute hit class. It could be, you know, 
doing a plank and letting my daughters run around me while I'm <laughs> doing different yoga poses. So um, I think those are two things that I would say like could help help long term. Yeah. And I think the commonality between the two and what I very much agree with is the step and the tool is self-awareness, yeah. right? It's slowing down and recognizing how you think about diabetes, how you think about food, how you think about your numbers that are happening throughout the day and your choices and the outcomes. Just slowing down to watch them instead of being in it is going to open up kind of this new world of possibility of transformation for yourself like that is the base of it and if you can get that ball rolling you're going to start feeling more confident and like wow like i i know more about myself and i understand why i'm doing the things that i'm doing more than i ever have before and then from there you're able to make decisions and make changes maybe in your habits or your thoughts um that kind of snowball to you know snowball into that version of yourself that you're envisioning for for your life and who you want to be so uh, last question for you. Oh. <laughs> so what does reclaiming your rise mean to you? I think it's about, I love that term, by the way. I love reclaiming your rise. Um, <laughs> for me, and I think this is a very, telling my story at the beginning really helps me own this. It's um, being an authentic inspiration. Like I've had so many people say like, you know, wow you're doing so amazing but I always felt like a fraud because like I carried that secret or like my binge eating or whatever it was like I carried all of that that they didn't know so being open with the people that love you and letting them know your struggles and letting them help you and support you and like being true to who you are and letting other people know that I feel like that's for me reclaiming my rise is like not be, being being authentic and genuine and sharing my experience and like feeling really confident and good about it. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love how everybody has such different answers. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Jihan, it's been such a pleasure watching and being part of your transformation over the past year and a half. I am honored to know you. I am so excited for you to keep removing those layers of needing to be perfect and becoming more vulnerable and sharing all these stories like you did today thank you so much for for your honesty and your your bravery i think we can't leave this episode without without saying that so so appreciative and love you thank you i love you too i'm so excited that i can hopefully you know be in this position and i'm so honored to be working with you all to like help people who have been in my shoes or in my shoes now and are still working on their journey. So thank you. I'm so honored and excited and yeah, love you. Thank you. All right. So here's the deal. After listening to that episode, I want you to check in with how you're feeling right now, reflect on your own diabetes and be really brutally honest with where you're at. If you feel like you've been silently carrying the load of diabetes yourself and you're exhausted and overwhelmed by your numbers and mindset and you know that you need to learn new strategies to get to a more empowered and confident place, but you don't know how or what that looks like, I want to invite you to apply to our Spring Decide and Conquer group 
Group Coaching Bootcamp. Over 250 women have graduated from this program and were once feeling exactly how you may be feeling right now, but they took a chance, they followed their intuition, they applied, they got on an enrollment call, and they said yes to themselves, they started, they went through the program, and now on the other side, they are in a completely different space. So it is our most popular program by far for women with type 1 diabetes, and it's going to leave you with a sense of transformation and integration between you and your T1D. The DCB, a little bit more detail, it provides a clear roadmap to lower your A1C and yes, increase your time and range, but we also go way beyond the numbers. We're talking mindset and hormones and relationship to food and relationship to diabetes, insulin sensitivity, identifying patterns, so much, right? And I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to get into this program for the spring round. So the deadline to apply is Thursday, May 19th, which is right around the corner. So click the link below in the show notes to learn more about the program and apply. If you have any questions, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for showing up for yourself and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I want to thank the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation for sponsoring this episode. If you are somebody who wants to see a cure for type 1 diabetes in your lifetime, please go to diabetesresearch.org slash give to make a donation. This is the only organization me and my family fundraise for for years because this is where so much of the research is being done and the donations allow the scientists to speed up their research. Links to learn more about DRI and the work they are doing in the show notes below.